Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's June 15th in the year of our Lord, 2000. Black Legends, You See the Trouble With Me is number one in the UK singles charts. The Tribal House cover of Barry White's hit. Uh, absolutely no memory of this cover, but it sums up the year 2000's love of jungle slash tribal slash anything that's louder than the vocals in one song. I guess he was crying all the way at the bank. <laughs> Rather like Russell Crowe, Gladiator for the fifth week in a row Still is number, number one, one at the UK Jesus. box office. Thanks to the Kurt Angle push. <laughs> On June 17th, Sugar Shane Mosley defeats Oscar De La Hoya via split decision for the WBC Worldweight title. De La Hoya strongly disagreed with the judges and thought he won. He then lost the rematch and disagreed with that as well. It's nothing if not consistent. The big game released this week is Tomb Raider. Hey. The Game Boy Color. So never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been Euro 2000. The English national football team participated. And despite beating Germany, they're eliminated in the group stage after two defeats. But who cares about that, Tom, with the big TV news? After 11 years, Home and Away is shown on ITV for the last no. time. No! End of an era! Yeah. It returns on Channel 5 on the 16th of July 2001. The show's year-long absence occurs because of a clause in ITV's contract preventing it from being broadcast for at least a year after its ITV run ends. And it remains on Channel 5 to this day to the joy of unemployed people and my mum everywhere. <laughs> but who cares about all that weird real-life piss and tizzle? That's not even a real expression, Who cares about the real-life things? Want to hear discuss real life because real life is terrible. The only thing that is real in life, that matters, is, of course, wrestling. Specifically, old wrestling, back in the good oldie days of an E on the end, randomly. So what was happening in the year of our Lord 2000 with this little startup company known as the WWF? Were they all listening to Barry White? Or were they all listening to the new version of the Barry White song, where you can't understand what he's saying because of all the drum and bass in the background? I don't know. So the only way we're going to find out is by holding Mr Tom Campbell's hand and walking... All the way to the little garden at the bottom of the road of the Cultaholic Wrestling Smackdown Review. That's a gorgeous visualisation. 
Sometimes I like, like talking without thinking and seeing what happens, and that's one of the. <laughs> that's isn't isn't that isn't that how like riffing was born and uh, <laughs> and 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 what's it what is it they do in Mighty Boosh? Is it crimping when when they're just sort of off the top of their head, just just rhyming? <laughs> It bollocks. bollocks yes, is what Tom. it is. That's, that's, that's what quite it is. right. Complete bollocks. And it's a good thing that our audience seems to like complete bollocks because after last week's triumphant, uh, triumphant's one word for it, I guess, that's got to be Kane episode, Colonel XB <laughs> yes. on Twitter, big fan of the show, I think. I'm going to assume he is after he made this. If not, he needs a better hobby. Decided to sync up what became a completely uh, unplanned ad-libbing of Kane having this wacky sitcom that he now lives in uh, and his brother The Undertaker come around for some steamed hams <laughs> and he started to sync that up with the actual footage of when Kane had Undertaker over for some actual steam it actually happened in the Pawn the Simpsons it did. Uh, so go check out his Twitter feed uh, Colonel XB X4 Extreme uh, in the year 2000, and B for Barry White. <laughs> that, I see you're using the army code, sir. Excellent. <laughs> yes. We are very blessed with, with, a, with a wonderful following on the, the classic review podcasts, both Raw and SmackDown. By the way, the classic Raw review turns 100 episodes old on Saturday. I want to give that Ooh. a mention. The 100th episode of the Cold Toilet Classic Raw review drops this Saturday. Also, we are blessed on both sides of the of, of the Raw and the SmackDown coin with amazingly supportive people in the Cultaholic multiverse, including John Eiley, who constantly supplies wonderful photoshops uh, for the, these podcasts, and Colonel XB coming in as a as a John Eiley in training, to creating some wonder as well, including the aforementioned "That's Got to Be Kane." steamed hams skit which you can watch on math's twitter my twitter cultaholics twitter i've shared it everywhere because it's brilliant if you want if you feel free to create stuff for this podcast if you feel like it inspires your creative juices to to bring to life what bobbins me and math talk about you we will never stop you we'll never stop you how's your week been matthew greg it's been all right um obviously lockdown two Electric Avenue has just started for people in Newcastle upon time. I'm about to sneeze, so I'm sorry if I stop talking. It's not me being rude. Um, I. Oh, it's coming. No. Yay, nay. Tension, tension, man. No, it's tension gone back mouse. from whence it came. I'll carry on. Uh. The I've had that to entertain me. Uh, the joy of sneezing. See? So it's. It, <laughs> I've had that to entertain me. It can't all be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> This is where we're at with, with lockdown two, lockdown harder. Matt's like, oh, I hope I sneeze today. Can't all be, uh, you know, jogging and wanking. So <laughs> sometimes you get the sneeze. Uh, and you shouldn't do you shouldn't do both at the same time though. It's a good way of losing weight. <laughs> it's a good way of getting banned from parks. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I still rather feel like uh, there's they show clips of the American remake of Red Dwarf on one of the DVDs. And they showed they only they weren't uh, allowed to show the whole thing while paying a lot of money, so they just showed three clips instead. And one of the clips is the only good jokes in it. Uh, obviously, Red Dwarf, Craig Charles is put into stasis, stasis, whatever it is, and then comes back unfrozen after three million years. In the American version, he comes and finds that Crichton's head's been stuck on a shelf for three million years, and they're like, "You've been there for three million years." He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." 
goes, well, what have you done to pass the time? He goes, I entertained myself by reading that sign. And they look over and there's a sign in the corner that says, don't run. Uh, <laughs> I can really relate to Crichton's head uh, during this lockdown period. <laughs> you know. I think we all can, mate. I think we all yeah, can. But that's been my week, mostly positive. What about yourself, sir? Uh, all good. This like We are recording this on the day that the podcast goes out again. <clears throat> so uh, today, it's an exciting day in the home because Assassin's Creed Valhalla has arrived on the PlayStation 4. So you may hear the sound of Viking war crimes being committed through the wall as Alex has been glued to it since about seven o'clock this morning and will probably be glued to it till thursday i think at this rate it looks very good i've not i've not had a chance to get my hands on it yet because i've been working today but um alex is having a lovely time so that's all that matters i'm very glad to hear that um, mm. i'm surprised i don't know whether you're a fan of the assassin's creed games if this seems like a very 2008 thing for people to still be playing assassin's creed i was on the assumption that black flag had ruined all the um, positivity around that series. It was the 2K20 of that series, but apparently not. Get pissed with Vikings, innit? That's where that's that's what this is all about. Lose your like, and I think now more than ever, people want those games where you can escape. Like we need stuff that isn't the four walls of our home in the middle of a of of, of a millennial bubonic plague. We want escape, and I think the the possibility of being taken away to a, a world of Vikings and plunder is is very appealing at this moment in time. No, I get you. I've been playing a lot of Hades and enjoying the mythology, Greek or otherwise, and uh, that has led me down to some things that have re reassured me in life. There's uh, Sisyphus plays a small role in it, and obviously he's the blokey with the boulder. Pushes up every day, then the boulder comes down, and then he's, you know keeps on doing that for all eternity for pissing off the gods and you meet him in the game and he's actually kind of relaxed and goes ah it's all right you know got a lot of exercise he's quite calm and so he's, uh, on the Hades reddit someone said that there's a very good essay about um, the myth of Sisyphus about how it sums up the human desire to make a narrative sense of things that don't make sense because of the the absurdity of the universe and like I didn't realize we that need was such some a... sort of mental control of it. Right, right. Rather than go, this is bollocks because it's bollocks, and this is bollocks, and we're all bollocks, and when I die, I'm going to turn into smaller bollocks. Um, instead of that, people like to have these stories that keep us sane and keep us making logical sense of stuff that perhaps doesn't make sense. Like a god, is not a god, is he? It's a mortal, whatever, pushing up a boulder and down again and up again and up again forever. Complete bollocks, but there's a story attached to it. That would make sense. I think mean, if we get to if we think about it too much, the the unbearable brevity of life could just overwhelm you. You know, the oh, fact absolutely, that Ricky. Tom. I was uh, Ricky Gervais talked about this this week on uh, Christian O'Connell's Stuff of Legends podcast, where he says like, you know, for billions of years we're not alive, and then for eighty, maybe a hundred, if we're lucky, years we get a holiday before returning to nothing. Yeah. So I think we need to fill that time with, with as much stuff as we can. You're quite right, Tom. And what better narrative story-based <laughs> medium is there 
than the silliest of silly bollocks that is professional wrestling. But yeah, the best kind of bollocks. And after this podcast, we should return to nothing. But before then, on this 180 or 200 or so minutes, Tom, I just, uh, what's happening in wrestling? Who's what? What? what Mike Awesome's mullet. What's happening? What? What? <laughs> so, so if you're new here, so before Matthew gets into this week's episode of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review, before he breaks down this week's episode of Smackdown, I like to sort of do a little dipstick test of what the wrestling world is doing at this particular point in time. We know what pop culture is doing, but what about the world of professional wrestling? Goldberg has turned heel. Thanks. I hate it. Bill Goldberg at the Great America Bash uh, turned into a bad guy at the behest of Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. Uh, the show itself, says Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer at the time, was a series of matches with a numbing level of run-ins, an undercard with little crowd reactions, three stuntman spots, which guaranteed none would stand out, and repeated finishes with predictable swerves. So he was all about the Great American Bash from 2000. Do you remember the bash from 20 years ago, Math? Oh, God, yes, I do. Sometimes I remember these things clearer than the things that happened in wrestling two weeks ago. And you're really underselling this. I'm surprised Meltzer hadn't brought it up. The quote that Russo used, I wasn't sure if Bischoff also used it as well, but in an interview about the product, he promised a swerve, I was either a swerve or... A development because if he says swerve, it doesn't make any sense then because you'd be expecting it. But he says something so crazy was going to happen a Great American Bash that there was, and I quote, nothing that Vince McMahon could do about it. And <laughs> referring to the Goldberg heel turn, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. He was heel for a bit, he aligned himself with Russo and Bischoff because Russo was all over the TV, like he was uh, an ongoing war. and yeah, that was it. Is uh, the only things they had to do to think to do was to redo someone turning, because that's the only thing I've said this before. Russo only remembers things in highlights. He doesn't realize that Hogan joining the NWO was one of the biggest things that ever happened in wrestling because he'd been a good guy for about at least nine years before them. You know, Goldberg had been a good guy for two years, and uh, also no one cares about Russo and Bischoff on TV. So And also the Hogan thing as well was the crowd was ready to boo Hogan. That's another like good they point. Were, they, were, they were turning on him before he left WWF. You could hear those smatterings of boos. So it felt right. The crowd, WCW, were ready to see Goldberg and cheer Goldberg and have Goldberg run roughshod through the heels. They were desperate for it. They were clamoring for it. So you miss out the, the element of what they want and you just go, they won't expect that. And the, simp the simple fact of somebody not expecting something doesn't necessarily make it a welcome arrival. No one expects me to throw my fridge out of the window at a passing dog. No one expects that. Nobody would like that. But I can't just go, yeah, but no one expected it. So therefore intrigue. No, it's a horrible thing to do. Don't do it. I'm not advocating for throwing a fridge at a dog. Please don't. Yeah. You can't pet the dog in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I love now that there are a lot of video games now who get a, a fair boost on social media, just the ability to pet a dog in that one Twitter account. I've seen video games where you can't pet the dog, they've been called out on it, and they've literally <laughs> done a patch update so you can pet the dog. Right. <laughs> 
Amazing. That's people power in action right there. Forget the forget the presidential election. That's the true people power right there. And also in Hades, they make a thing that you can pet Cerberus. <laughs> the closest thing to yes. a dog. Uh, you only pet one of his heads, but there's all this dialogue like, the other two heads look dismissively on as Cerberus, the right head, whatever, Gamma, or Shane Douglas, I guess, the triple threat. Shane Douglas <laughs> loves the strokes. <laughs> oh, wow. Other highlights from the Great American Bash included uh, Booker T returning oh, as no. GI bro for a boot camp match because, <laughs> hey, look, we've got this guy who's over like Rover. Let's give him a really old gimmick. That'll be great. So wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, so that's... So, so far we've had the Russo turn that's making any sense, but is shocking for the sake of shocking and therefore doesn't shock. Uh, going back to old gimmicks, another Russo stable. Okay, cool. Go on, Tom. Uh, would you like uh, a death-defying stunt? That was Sting uh, in the Human Torch match with Vampiro. That's hey, correct. Ding, ding, Sting ding. flying off the Tron and and them in, 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 in hushed tones, considering that this may be the end of Sting, and then going... On to our main event. Um, and, of course, a retirement match. Hogan's career hanging in the balance. But it's all right. He beat Billy Kidman in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Kidman-Hogan feud. <clears throat> oh, man. When We're Hogan stars bragged, here in WCW. Again, and there's, sorry, there's the third thing there. Russo taking advantage of real-life situations when Hogan offhandedly said that Billy Kidman couldn't sell out a bingo hall. On a comment made on a radio show months ago, Sarusa's like, <laughs> we have to make it a real thing, bro. And people <laughs> heard that radio show, right? People came up, Billy Kidman versus the biggest uh, superstar ever. And uh, Hogan, I think maybe Hogan lost on TV after 128 people interfered. But he did say... He did brag about how much he put over Billy Kidman. He'd be like, you didn't put him over in any way. He may have beaten you, but, you know, after he dropped an atomic bomb on your head. Anyway, sorry. I think I'm running about things that happened 20 years no, ago. I'm no, no, it's to true. Everything you're right, though, because Vince Russo is incredibly guilty of of being, uh, <clears throat> of of giving in and caving in and following the path of the mental algorithm in the sense that if... He sees something happening, therefore everyone sees it happening. Right. I can see kind of why him and Vince McMahon got on because they're of a similar mindset in that regard. Different, a different take on the idea, but the idea that this is how I think, so therefore everyone thinks like that. Vince McMahon, who, who famously binned off pirate Paul Birchall because in Vince McMahon's words, quote, nobody's watched Pirates of the Caribbean because he hadn't watched Pirates of the Caribbean. You can see why they got on. Like the world yeah, is what both... I see and nothing else. Yes, that's a that's a Manuel Kant philosophy, if I remember correctly. The world stops existing when I shut my eyes. Yeah, massive Kant's the both of them. Yes, we did um, say that many times at college. We've never got <laughs> dull. What else has happened, Tom? Uh, the Rock appeared at an indie show. What? The biggest star on the planet. Rocked up at an indie show. Oh. You want the, you want the story on this? this uh, yeah, yes, please, Tom. Sorry, I was reacting as if I was going to say uh, the rest. 
Davey, Florida, uh, the 10th of June, just a few days before this episode of SmackDown. Future of Wrestling, FOW putting on a show. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson makes an appearance because his father, Rocky Johnson, was working the show. He was working as mayor of Davey, Florida, Harry Venus's manager. Now, the mayor of Davey, Florida at this point, Harry Venus, Dirty Harry Venus, was, was learning his chops as a wrestler. And he would every so often put on like charity wrestling shows to raise money for local foundations. And he'd be there as an evil heel. And WWF were quite interested in hiring this guy. Uh, and they wanted to, to make sure that they had somebody there to, to guide him and make sure he's getting into good shape. So that's why they sent Rocky Johnson down to Future of Wrestling to be his manager to get him into that position. And on this particular show, The Rock had the night off. So The Rock went, oh, I'm going to go and see what dad's up to. So The Rock was at an indie show. And it's like, imagine that in the year 2000. Uh, like the biggest star on the planet turning up at an independent wrestling show. That is crazy. I don't think I remember hearing that, but I'm less concerned with The Rock appearing at an indie show than I am, sorry, Dirty Harry Venus. <laughs> yes, that's the mayor of, da was the mayor of Davey, Florida. Wanted to get into the wrestling game. Right. Would he go on to be anybody or? No. He didn't, um, but he entertained people in his constituency of Davey, Florida, whilst he got in amongst it in the ring. Uh, also on this show, uh, also on this future of wrestling show, I am emphasizing the name of the company for a special effect. On the future of wrestling show, we had Duke the Dumpster Drosy winning $5,000 challenge, but he lost later in the night to Typhoon. <laughs> we... We had Tatanka failing to capture the international championship. Oh. We had an appearance by Phi Delta Slam, who would go on to become the main event Mafia's security in TNA Wrestling. Oh, They're like God. the true standouts of this. Oh, and, and I know you're desperate to know the answer, Maf, so I will tell you, the third annual 10-man table death match was won by Mr. Mr. Extreme, Pat McGuire. That name does not inspire extremeness. Night. It really doesn't, does it? It sounds he sounds like he should be the mayor of Davy, Florida. Mr. Extreme. Davy McGuire. <laughs> but, wow, what a uh... And you say this though, but future of wrestling, Tatanka would show up in SmackDown uh, in 06 for another run. Oh, uh, yeah, Typhoon I wouldn't. I think they rang him, but he was too tired or slipped through it. <laughs> Allegedly. Or slipped through it. See, there's two jokes with him. He's either <laughs> he's either a shockmaster or he's a um, oh, what expression for someone who falls asleep like like narcoleptic. That. Yes. So someone, some wrestler did say, "What happened with the shockmaster? Did he just fall asleep and fall through the wall?" Combine the two <laughs> stories. So just leaned on the wall and went through. That'd be a much better way to go. Yeah. It, um, it went, sting. <laughs> Come on, yeah. boy. Come on, wake snore, me up. Snore, snore. Snore, Set my snore. alarm for snooze at the... F <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my mindfulness CD on to help me sleep. <laughs> I'm high on fumes from painting this stormtrooper helmet. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy and you, Friends. A future it. of wrestling. <laughs> you do a good hey, voice. Go, like that, 
Kurt Hennig's WCW contract is about to expire, and there are rumours of a WWF return. This is funny, right? Because on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review that Justin Henry and myself do, we're in 1995. So five years before this, and WWF is starved of stars. Like They will take anything they can get right now in the battle that's reasonably priced. In 1995, if Mr. Perfect had become available, he would have been a viable option to bring in without a shadow of a doubt. Fast forward five years, Kurt Hennig putting out the feelers that, hey, I'd like to go to the WWF. And WWF is so far ahead of where they were now. They will be like, no, not for another two years when we need another boost. But right now, you can get stuff, mate. We don't want anything to do with you. So Hennig potentially coming in at this point spoiler he won't for a couple of years one more bit of news for you and it's from all japan pro wrestling so there was a board meeting on june the 13th in the year oh, 2000 sorry <laughs> he knows where he's going uh and at this normal board meeting masawa uh, Mitsuo Momota, Kenta Kobashi, Akira Tau, uh, Kenichi Oyagi, and Yoshihiro Momota resigned from the board. One day later, the wife of Shoei Giant Baba, Motoko Baba, released a two-page written statement claiming that Masawa took no responsibility and abandoned his duty. She also hinted uh, that Toshiaki Kawada and Masanobu Fuchi will be the only two native wrestlers staying with All Japan, which is what went down. They swore to carry out Baba-san's last wish, she says. Fast forward a couple of days, June 16th, 2024, out of the 26 contracted wrestlers for All Japan were led by Masawa to a press conference where they announced they were leaving All Japan. 24 out of 26 All Japan wrestlers announced they were leaving. When they asked why they were leaving, Masawa claimed it was so he could do things in a modern style. The following day, uh, following day Masawa officially announced the birth of a pro wrestling company whose name is inspired by a biblical story. That company being Pro Wrestling Noah. <laughs> Which Triple H then bought. Good for you for setting us all up for that legendary joke and not going inspired by a biblical story, Pro Wrestling Moses. But uh, you got to give <laughs> oh, the people what they want, Tom. Pro Wrestling The Last Supper. <laughs> <laughs> Giant Bar <laughs> Mrs. Barber Jesus. was the penultimate supper, but this will be the <laughs> ultimate supper. <laughs> I have to rename it because it caused offence. Yes. Pro wrestling baby in a basket near a burning bush. Oh, um, Big whale. Yeah, pro wrestling, pro wrestling Noah being born. And Matthew. no one's going to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. What were you saying, Tom? That's gotta be math. Um, <laughs> the, the the birth of pro wrestling Noah here, Matthew. Do you remember this? I I do. I remember reading World of Wrestling magazine, and it was just like uh, all all Japan is knackered slightly. I'm like, how, how slightly? Well, you know, can you run can you run shows with two people? <laughs> no. Oh, then they're really screwed. Uh, <laughs> 
I've done some reading up on this because it is a crazy story. Considering all Japan and New Japan for the past 10 years have been going back and forth. Who is the number one wrestler wrestling company in Japan? Is it this one? Is it this one? And then as soon as 2000 hit, everything changed. The decision seems to come from the fact that everybody was loyal. And the, the loyalty thing in Japan is amazing to read about. But they were all loyal to Giant Barber. Giant Barber passed away a year ago. And I believe Misawa... I wasn't sure if it was anybody else. I only know Misawa's thing. Uh, he was... He stayed loyal to Mrs. Barber, even though she was hideously disliked by a lot of people, by all accounts, um, out of loyalty to Giant Barber. But then after a year, he went, well, I've done my loyalty. Now I'm going to go elsewhere. I don't want to work for you. And uh, some people have said that Giant Barber would use Mrs. Barber as the good cop, bad cop. Some people have speculated that, but there was just people go, well, we have no loyalty to you. We're like the good guy and he's passed now. So we're all off now. We don't want to be here. The, the 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 hint there is in Basawa's line about doing things in a modern way. I can imagine that uh, Mrs. Baba had attempted to keep things like traditional. This normally is where these fallouts for wrestling companies come from, where you'll have uh, somebody at the top of the tree who were like, let's keep it old school, old values, and you'll have somebody underneath that will be going, well, no, we can do more, and we'd like to try more. But there is that reluctance. Hence, I think that is a big part of the fallout where uh, Mrs. Barber was like, no, we're doing this my husband's way. Masawa's like, well, we want to do more. And hence where we are now, Noah on the way. So that is what is happening in the wrestling news uh, for this week in the year of our Lord 2000. Now we cross via the power of the internet to Moffu Grigg from off of, look at that, look from, from off of, you've been framed for wrestlers. And he will... <laughs> He will talk us through this week's episode of Smacketh Downeth on the road to the King of the Ring. He's right. And you know it's a I big episode right. of Smackdown. We don't only get the return of the dramatic video package, that's been missing for two weeks, but also the return of the Doom Door Noise. <gasps> yes! <laughs> yeah, let me Oh no, a door. <clears throat> Press B. Like, if you had a... If we were all robots, and as we were all robots, we all had robot cats, and you went to stroke that robot cat, that would be the noise it would make when you tickled its chin. <laughs> yeah, perfect, Tom, perfect. Wow, it's like I'm playing Doom. <laughs> so the biggest team return since Head Cheese Reunited brings us... Doom, 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 to Monday Night Raw, where The Rock says he doesn't care about Kanan and Taker wanting revenge for Rock's maybe deliberately, maybe not chair shots on both of them last SmackDown. So both of them show up uh, to get The Rock. And also, who's that with Kane? Yes, it is, completely non-ironically, Linda McMahon showing up with Kane. <laughs> I was so happy to see this. I was like, we're making dreams come true. <laughs> Reality imitating art. Uh, I can't. I, I would not call this art. <laughs> it's one word for it. I can't let my wife and WWF CEO Linda know that I got three number one contenders in the same week. Got go. That's gotta be Kane. It just feel like a plot from it. Oh no, three number one contenders. How did this happen? It's okay because I have an hour to fix it. 
Knock, knock, knock. Linda oh shows up. Did you forget about daylight savings time? Oh, no. That's got to be Ken. <laughs> now, whatever you do, don't hit your tag team partners. Okay. Oh, no. He ducked and I hit him with the chair. Wah, wah, wah. I didn't mean to. It's okay. To. Now I'll do the exact same thing next... Sorry. I'll do the exact same thing next week. I mean, what are the chances of it happening again? Ack. Bonk. Oh, no. Linda's going to kill me. That's good, BK. Anyway. Linda says, Kane, the Undertaker and Rock need to unite against the enemy rather than fight amongst themselves. Kane says, oh, you mean like a union? Ack. And she says, absolutely not. No way in hell. Do not ever say that word in front of me. Sorry, Linda. Ack. So she makes it. So she makes it triple H. That's how you can tell it's, it's Kane. Apart from all the other impressions that sound exactly like it, <laughs> is Matthew doing Undertaker? <laughs> oh no, it's Kane. So she makes it Triple H versus Jericho tonight. Woohoo! That wonderful continuity with the Jericho Triple H feud slowly brewing. Stephanie interferes in the match, and she takes a Wars of Jericho from Chris. First time they've had physical interaction. Uh-huh. Uh, but this obviously re- freaks out Triple H who sees this and pins Jericho and then beats him up some more, because how dare you do that to my wife right in front of me? Later I on, think he's Stephanie... more concerned about Jericho getting over rather than having his wife get beaten up. <laughs> well, more of that to come on the episode and for the next six months. Uh, Stephanie then defends her title against Lita. Lita gets knocked... No, sorry. Lita knocks her off the apron, but then Kurt Angle runs in and gives Lita a slam behind the referee's back, and they celebrate together as Triple H is happy with her wife winning. And then they hug in the ring, and Triple H is not happy. Oh, so many different storylines going on with Triple H and Steph. I love it. And then Vince and Shane take on the Dudley Boys in a tables match. But wouldn't you know it, DX interfered to help the fans win. Well done, Linda. You went zero and three in the matches you booked. <laughs> then in a funny little uh, build-up to the main event, Kane versus Rock is going to happen because even though they're kind of together. DX and McMahons get Kane backstage, remove his mask and take a photo and say, if you don't take on The Rock, then we're going to show your face to the whole world. So they're about to go at it. Kane, like, all right, sorry about this. But then GTV (laughs) shows Patterson and Briscoe screwed up the developing process and there's no picture, as uh, as Pat Patterson says. So Rock and Kane both (laughs) eye up the McMahons and DX and then that's when X-Pac and Vincent Mann are doing the timeout, timeout symbols to try and walk away up the ramp to get away from these two. But vroom, vroom, moo, moo. Here's the underbiker. <laughs> what a crossover gag. What a crossover gag. Yes. Vroom, vroom, moo, moo. <laughs> and stupid jokes interact, become even more stupid. And Raw ends with Triple H taking a double choke sound through a table to send the fans home happy. But you know what else what makes me happy, Tom? Mm-hmm. Witty wee, witty woo, witty wee, witty woo, witty wee, witty woo. Oh, we're going to be sad when they get rid of this music in a couple of years' time. Yeah, it got changed to The Beautiful People for a bit, but I imagine they don't want to pay Marilyn Manson any money, so I imagine I'll just keep this going. This might be Undertaker's theme. Oh, here comes SmackDown. You've done it now. What if they dub over all the music that they they don't want to pay for with "You've done it now"? You can't. Oh God! In fact, See, I was I hoping it'll be the other way. We're gonna do it. 
Off We're going to do a social experiment right now. And what I'm going to oh, do... Yeah. I say a social experiment. It doesn't involve people. Um, I'm going to jump onto the network. Experiment. Okay. You could say it's exactly an anti-social network. I am going to jump onto the WWF network. I'm going to pick an episode of SmackDown from 2002. And let's just see whether or not they actually give us... The beautiful people, the beautiful people. It's all relative to the size of your steeple. Was it O2 so, when they changed it? Actually, I don't know. O2, definitely O2. It was during, it? The, during the first brand split, we had that. So, God, that, that's so weird to change that, by the way, because... I'll just talk over I've this just noise. I've just said a bit so involving Tony Guerrero, which I'm excited about. Yeah, from... Oh, it is beautiful people. Okay. There you go. There must be like a um, oh. a, 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 a thing that like a trademarky thing they've signed to use it for certain for certain yeah. things, I guess. Yeah. So everybody on the ground, oh, aka Widdy Wee Widdy Woo, because all the way to August 9th, two thousand and one. Plenty of time to enjoy that. But the beautiful people being a thing in August two thousand one to May fifteenth, two thousand and three. I mean, look. As, as far as an intro, uh, uh, as far as an intro theme. I can see it working, but it's a 1996 song. Like, oh, three. It was like, wow, Manson. Yeah, really? This is the same company that called a wrestling pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire in the last decade. <laughs> so I don't think time really matters. Yeah, good point. But never mind that. that that's silly stuff. That's, that's future stuff. Even worse, that's real-life stuff, Tom. Ugh. <laughs> Let's go back to the year of Lord 2000. In the 13th straight sellout at the Allstate Arena... And they're very happy about this because Michael Cole keeps on talking about it. And why wouldn't you? So let's start off with Grandmaster Sexy versus Edge in a King of the Ring qualifier match. Lola says Linda reminds him of Hillary Clinton. Something needs to be done about her. Something, something, check her emails. Although in 2000, to make that joke work, I'm sure it was check her fax. Um... <laughs> Edge stun gun sexy on the ring steps outside and gets the advantage. Christian's interference fails to aid sexy and he lands the hip hop drop. But the ENC associate Shane McMahon runs in and nails him with his diving chair shot for Edge to advance. It's a pretty fun, high hitting match. And it's nice that we're getting the continuity of who's with who. Shane got continuity with Edge and Christian and everybody else who can help him. And not much else to say apart from this. Tom, any thoughts? When you talk about continuity, right, get this, just to blow your mind. Two years in a row, Edge has a major win in the King of the Ring thanks to involvement from Shane McMahon. Oh, you're right, yeah. Mm. Next one next year. thought it was a good match, though. A fun little match. Edge and Christian on the periphery of the faction. I forgot about this. So, like, they weren't quite in... But they were they were sort of the, the lackeys on the outside, and that's a a good place for a young tag team to be, isn't it? Like that in in that gravitational pull of the McMahons, especially with Shane McMahon running interception for you. That's a good gravitational pull to be in, isn't it? Yeah, and you see the development they've made. Uh, last year they were the lackeys for the ministry, and now the lackeys for the corporation. It's fantastic. Anyway, the McMahons head to the ring. As Stone Phillips from Dateline NBC is shown in the crowd looking bored out of his mind, I Googled him to, <laughs> I Googled him to see if anything interesting would come up. Nothing did, because nothing... No, you're kidding me. Stone Phillips from Dateline, he's a, he, he's a big deal. 
He's in, he's interviewed. Oh, I meant Jeffrey in terms Darla of like dodgy and stuff. Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> At the same time, bloody hell. <laughs> he has a hell of an interview. Do you have any questions? Ask Boris. <laughs> Dharma. <laughs> oh, big fan. Oh, same. Christ. <laughs> See, I was looking for the dirt. You know, you go to Wikipedia and you go straight away to personal life, and nothing came up that was interesting. It's like he has, he has kids and he's very happy. I'm like, oh, screw him then. But I like point out his name is Stone. That's fascinating to me. Good name that. Yeah, and good for them for missing out on the opportunity. I'll call him Stone Cold Phillips or anything like that. Uh, who cares about this blokey? The McMahon regime in the ring. Uh, get ready to talk. Vince starts off. The crowd chants asshole. Vince emotes with his face. He's very upset about that. Shaman gets the mic. And my God, is he sweaty after one run-in and one chair shot. <laughs> He is oh, that is back in it. It's horrible. He's just oh, the sweatiest boy. Like he ran and did a chair shot, and he's he's more liquid than solid. He says Edge and Christian have challenged the Dudley Boys tonight because the McMahons beat them on Raw. Also, don't worry, lads. There will be a five-second pose, so don't worry. Weird that they're doing double duty, but ah, who cares? Uh, Vince tries talking, but my God, is this crowd loud? Um, and then I forgot about the negative of having these segments after they've done a recap already in the dramatic video package. So it's kind of just like, well, remember on Raw? And you're like, yeah, we do, mate. We've, we've just seen it. Oh, well. You just watched it, mate. <laughs> yeah. However, I'll take the uh, sting out the scorpion too much. Triple H explains that he is really happy with his team for King the Ring. Vince, Triple H... And the giant killer, don't say Simba, don't say Simba. We checked, it's trademarked by Disney, don't say Simba. And you know what? Those three guys against Kane, Undertaker, and The Rock, Triple H thinks that's almost unfair. So you know what? He's going to deal with that number one contendership issue during this match. And says, if, 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 anyone on Linda's team pins anyone on Vince's team, they'll get Triple H's title. Triple H says that there's no way any of those guys are gonna aren't going to stab one another in the back for a shot at this title. So therefore, those three people can't work together, and therefore they won't win. And Vince does wild stabbing motions in the back that demonstrate what stabbing someone in the back looks like. And if you don't ask, if you don't believe me, go ask uh, the Hearts. And in the likely event Triple H's team wins, none of them are the moral contenders, and the winner of King of the Ring gets a shot later on when Triple H feels like it. And this did an alright job of trying to make the guy wing the title without needing to be Triple H. Kind of sums that up. It's like, yeah, we're just so good that we're going to do this. And it's like, oh, okay. And it gets hoist by his batard and all this. But it almost feels like they had the script for this. And then they dropped all the pages and they've been doing it in the wrong order these past few weeks. Because we had the three number one contenders two weeks ago. But then last week, we didn't have any contenders. But now we have contenders again. And now it's six man. And it's very odd. But it kind of works. But kind of not. But it doesn't matter because the highlight of this was Tori's abs. What was she the highlight was for you, Tom? Real, wasn't she? Incredible abs going She's on. She's been crunching. She's been crunching. Uh, it was um, <laughs> fine. It was just an, like another sort of shop window piece from the McMahon Helmsley faction. This is kind of their shtick, isn't it? I like how the six man main event the titles on the line because that 
offers a, that's that's a shrewd move from the champion to kind of drop in that element of doubt because when he was talking about like oh i've got vince and shane as my tag partners i'm thinking are you i can't be convinced that triple h is glad to be tagging up with his 50 plus year old father-in-law and scampy little moron shane mcmahon but then i thought well if you're going to chuck the title on the line in there as well so you've got you know that's real heel shenanigans going they won't get on with each other Uh, also i like the red (laughs) herring they threw in here the red herring of how if triple h retains he will defend the title at SummerSlam against the king of the ring which i liked as a caveat because i like when they they didn't do this till much later on and there was never ever a massive focus on this but i like when they have it so the winner of the king of the ring gets a shot at the wwf title like i like that as a as a character dangle otherwise you think well, what's the point in the tournament if there isn't something big to to reach for i feel like having money in the bank has sort of killed off the the intrigue of the king of the ring a little bit because basically a money in the bank is now a uh a king of the ring without all the fuss of a tournament. It's 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 king of the ring for short attention spans. So I don't think we'll see the king of the ring really again in our lifetimes. But at this point in time, I love the king of the ring, and I love the fact that oh, this suddenly makes things really interesting for the king of the ring. Like the idea that oh, in my head in two thousand, going Crash Holly could win the king of the ring, and Crash Holly could have a shot at the WWF title. Like in two thousand, my head was swimming with that sort of stuff. It was great. So I like the, the little caveat they threw in to indicate that maybe the title isn't changing hands and maybe we'll get something different. I liked that a lot. Mm, mystery, intrigue, suspense, Tory's abs. <laughs> and also The Rock takes on mystery meat tonight. So I'll have to just wait and see who it is. Sean Stasiak's back. Get in. <laughs> I was wondering where he'd be. That's right. He's now perfect meat. <laughs> <laughs> the meat that can't be meat perfect meat anyway <laughs> the meat that can't be meat <laughs> you heard me I did hear you mate I'm glad yes. I did Tom, Tom you need to take the show seriously alright this is this is WWF Smackdown come on get, get together alright alright so all next right, segment right, right. Pat Patterson and Briscoe are in a taxi in Times Square looking for Crash Holly in his 24-7 title then Crash shows up with a taxi behind them, looking for protection. Neither of them notice. Do ho 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 ho! I've typed here. It's going to be Moolah, isn't it? <laughs> oh, if only I knew what is going to happen. Oh, just you wait. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. WWF Rewind, brought to you by Smoking's Bad MK. And it's Bull Buchanan stealing The Undertaker's Bike. So Undertaker holds triangle in Grand Theft Auto and takes some dude's car to drive off after him. What is Bull Buchanan doing messing with The Undertaker? Is he getting a push because Undertaker found out he can ride a Harley? Seems like I'm confused by why all of a sudden Bull Buchanan... We're not getting any mentions of the boss man, but Bull Buchanan front and centre. I feel like Vince just likes Bull Buchanan. Yeah, and I think Undertaker liked Bull Buchanan. So Vincent Mann likes Bull Buchanan. But never mind that. Stacker 2, Western Union, and fan checks. Money checks with pictures of Steve Austin and The Rock on the background. And God be worth buying them just to see the dude's face when you give, give a check with someone take the stunner on it. I have to know, I have to know, did anybody who is listening to this podcast right now have WWF fan checks? <laughs> I'm just intrigued. As to what people bought with a with a Stone Cold Steve Austin check, I just I'm fascinated to know whether people had them and used them. Like, imagine going into a car dealership with those; <laughs> they're not going to take you seriously, surely. That I was thinking, like, can you, like, all right, this person's uh, is on bail. All right, well, I'm going to need money. Do you take check? Yeah, okay. Do you take the Rock checks? What are you talking about? <laughs> Here you go. 60 to grand which, payable to, the bail... to the people's champion. <laughs> the, the, to which the policeman goes, hey, know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> that would not Your Honour, my client... Your Honour, my client was accused of not taking this uh, murder accusation seriously. How dare you say that? Um, he tried to pay for bail with a crash holly 24-7 check. <laughs> But it didn't bounce, did it? Unlike that guy I killed. Oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no. That's Bail denied. Damn you, Crash Holly. <laughs> Stone Phillips interviews oh, the Crash Holly murderer right after this interview with Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> Crash Holly Only on murderer. UPN. 
followed by a brand new Shasta McNasty. <laughs> yes! Shasta McNasty, fan checks. We pay you. <laughs> to take them off us, please. Dear exactly. <laughs> anyway, that, all that crap presents Hardy Boys versus TNA. <laughs> and these guys have good chemistry as the Hardys don't mind bumping for anything the hosses do. Uh, some good bumping. One moment comes when Matt Hardy hits a tornado DDT on Bola, says Bola, says Bola. Albert's head is eight and three eighths big and says it's DDT proof <laughs> as a result. Brilliant. What a line. I love that line. Big style. I think, is that a term for bowling balls? Is it eight and three eighths? Where does that come from? No, I get a bunch I of math sums and I type that in. No worries. Whatever it was, it sounds funny. The finish comes when Trish knocks Jeff off the top rope. When he's going for a swan on, and this allows Test to, by God, land the big boot and win a match. Presumably by going, Trish, Jeff's going to swan on me. <laughs> Just comes along, pushes him off. Trish, which is it to block a move? Yeah. R1. What? R1. I meant the N64, but L, the L button. <laughs> Just L. Is it a strike or a grapple? It's hell, like, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, Test, you're so pathetic. <laughs> Trish, now that you're managing me instead of Steph, does this mean that I'm going to have the piss taken out of me on SmackDown podcast? Yes, it is. This is Test. <laughs> yes, Test. Whilst you're yes. still Test, you'll have the piss taken out of you. <laughs> yes. Trish... TNA are so happy with their win that they continue to attack afterwards, leading Lita to run out and even the odds to stop Trish. Hardys take out TNA on the outside, allowing Lita to awkwardly slam Trish, the non-worker, and then leg drop Trish off the second rope after doing the Hardy Boys finger. Big crowd pop for that. <laughs> Damn it, Tom, I took the moral high ground with that as well. Of course you have to turn it dirty. There's a big crowd, crowd pop for the yet. finger. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known this was going to happen. <laughs> Who cares about TNA winning? Oh, Leader's oh, doing the finger. Just pulled Edge off. <laughs> Great call from JR at uh, WrestleMania 17 during yes. the ladder match with when Lita um, removes Edge from the ladder and JR going, "Oh, Lita just pulled Edge off." Knowing what happens with those two, it's especially funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good times. Any other thoughts or piss taking to be done about Tess and uh, newcomer Jer Jerry Dirty Lawler Lita. dropping Jerry Lawler dropping in a line saying Linda should be home running the household. To which Cole <laughs> shuts him down, and it's just like Linda's this like and and I was easy, I was thinking what what Michael Cole was like. Linda's the CEO of the company, and Lola's going, she should be running the home. And even when Cole corrects him, Lola goes, yeah, but first, she's a wife. Wow. <laughs> even in 2000, that is tone deaf. <laughs> Christ knows. Christ yeah. knows what he makes of the first female vice president. Jesus. Uh, but Tess getting a pin is... Uh, is a shocker. I've even put Tess gets a pin. What's going on? I'm trying to remember the last time on television Tess got a, a fairly decisive win, and I don't think it's happened in quite some time. <laughs> and if it did happen, it was immediately followed by something like this, where everyone's too focused on the new development with uh, Lita, 
Trish getting bonked, taking a quite brutal leg drop, has to be said. Uh, oh, all face, no impact, as Joey Styles would say. So who cares if Test wins? Oh, that's right. The podcast that sends pictures of Test to people who reply with a thing at the very end of this episode. That's right. <laughs> I have to come up with something new for that because that seemed to be a success. And by success, I mean no one tweeted, can you not do this, please? Which is how I judge everything. <laughs> I'll tell you what was a success. And here's a bit of breaking news for you. Um, following on from what we discussed last week, I can hereby confirm that joining us for the Cultaholic Classic King of the Ring watch-along will indeed be the moisturised head of Editor Andrew, making his podcast debut right here on the SmackDown Review. How excited is that? Oh, lovely. He's such a nice dude. Uh, I've been waiting to want to do something for him for ages, so yeah, great. So Why he's making he his debut now, on the podcast. He, he shaved it all during lockdown. He had lovely long blonde hair, and he I think did. he just got a bit bored of his hair growing long with no hairdresser, so he just shaved it. He suits him down to the ground. He does our Twitch streams on a Monday night. Uh, they are just the most fun. Just deep joy watching Andrew do what he does. But behind the scenes, he is an editor extraordinaire, and most of the wonderful videos that you see in the, on a daily, the news videos, the graded videos, uh, come from our amazing editing team, uh, comprising of Sam, of Richard Tubman, of Owen, and of Andrew. So he's part of a great team that work behind the scenes, and we're seeing these guys more and more do stuff in front of camera, and I'm really excited to get, uh, get Andrew on to be a part of our podcast, our humble little podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Ah, I can't wait for that bull twink to show up. <laughs> I thought you'd like him. <laughs> you're, you're a massive pervert. I think I like, everybody I like I call a twink. Tom is a twink. Oh, mate, I'm the fattest twink that ever lived, if that is the case. I'm a, I think I'm a twinkie more than a twink. Oh, <laughs> that just means you're it's sweet. All right. I've been told I'm a bear, so I'm fine with being a bear in, 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 in that realm. Right. Should I be that way inclined, I'd be an excellent You're bear. You're a cuddly bear, I'm fine definitely. With that. Best bear. Happy to be a best bear in that world if I was so inclined. Grr. Undertaker <laughs> shows up with his bike, and a load of coppers show up. And Vince says, hello, 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 what do we have here? <laughs> it's an American... I wish he did. It's an American badass. <laughs> Vince reminds Undertaker about that guy whose car he stole uh, on Raw. We did see a clip of that. And that guy reported him to the police. And Undertaker does his, like, big tough guy thing where he's got his arm raised and he's like, I don't remember that. I was like, Undertaker, we just saw it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the police do is they arrest him. And Vince yells, come on, come on, put up a fight. This is walking away. Undertaker turns around and complains that Bull Buchanan stole his bike first, sounding rather like a small child. <laughs> Bull's dying it, Dad. Undertaker then spits on Bull, so Bull tries to attack him as the coppers try not to laugh. And then when he's taken off camera, Vince yells, Have a good evening. <laughs> I loved all of this. It was only made better when uh, we get a replay of this and Cole is like, what a coward bull is, hitting a handcuffed dude. And Lawler, quite rightly, says, he spat on him. Yeah. Undertaker's yeah, in the wrong ear. 
American badass lies about committing a crime, blames somebody else, and then spits on a dude. He's caught. Wow, what a hero. If, yeah, that's anyone else, anyone else that was approached by the police with a, with a crime they committed, denied it, and then whilst getting arrested, spat on someone else, you'd kick off. If it was anyone else, oh, but it's the Undertaker, so it's 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 appealing. No, he was just grim, gobbing tobacco on Bull Buchanan. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Bull Buchanan, but I'd certainly never spit on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's Undertaker, vroom vroom, moan moan. <laughs> There's a reason no one writes this stuff. Uh, next up, Dino <laughs> Brown versus Scotty Two. Boom, boom. Versus Scotty Two Honey in a Killer and Qualifier match. <laughs> Dino Brown is a bad man here, attacking Hotty before the bell. Makes sense because he can't be more popular than Scotty right now. He was hotter than the sun. Lola remembers when Hot. No, I've misread this. Lola remembers when Dino Brown was the size of Rikishi. He's in great shape now. And he is right. Do you remember when D'Lo Brown uh, was D'Lo high cholesterol? I, I remember AC Corner being quite a baity boy. Um, I say I remember him being the size of Rikishi. But I yeah, okay, that, that's a bit... I mean, it's Lawler. It's not exactly accurate, but... Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, but he's um, really trimmed it. I think it's the best shape he's ever in. The best shape he's, he ever gets in here. He looks great. Yeah. Hottie nails the worm but doesn't go for the pin, and that usually means he's going to lose. But after taking a flapjack from D'Lo, Brown misses the lowdown off the top and takes a DDT off the top for Hottie to win. Nice change the formula there for Scotty 2 Hottie. And also nice him using the DDT off the top rope in a throwback to the D'Malenko feud that we still talk about. Any thoughts well, that's kind on? of his finish now, isn't it, to do that do that off the top rope DDT. That's his that's his standard Commodore Garden finish now, I think. Yeah. He did the Alan Partridge. Uh, this was a successful... Let's make more of them. <laughs> um, some notes from this one. Do you believe that the mid-carder that wants respect is a death knell for the mid-carder in question? Say it again, Paul. Well, uh, so I feel like they, they said, oh, D'Lo Brown's had a change of attitude because he wants respect now. And I cast my mind back and I feel like whenever there is a guy who has nothing going on, they suddenly turn him heel out of the blue and go, oh, he's angry because he wants respect. He's after respect now. It just, the, it feels like such a, a lazy heel turn for D'Lo Brown. But again, they just don't know what else to do with him right now is the issue. And it's a shame because both of these guys look great here. D'Lo and Scotty look like stars. Uh... Yeah, with D'Lo, I actually like the fact that they've given him something rather than nothing. Uh, it's not just a dude on the Raw Smackdown today where he's there and it's like, oh, he's having a match. What more do you want? Sort of. Um, now he's like, well, he's doing something. He's going to be a bit bad uh, here because it makes sense because he's not been really bad. He's just been a bit of a dick. Not a lot of a dick, just a bit of it. Just the tip. And I actually like that they actually bothered doing something and saying something about him. Um it's one of the reasons why I love this period so much. They're actually trying... There's nobody getting flat out buried or rubbished or no, no one's left behind. Everyone's had something going on. So I look at it like that. Because mm. right now, until, uh, I don't know, Lowdown, uh, called that because that's where they were on the card, um, show up 
next year, Dilo doesn't do anything. No, he's he's done. He's just he's he's uh, stamping the ticket, and that's a stamping a ticket. Sadly, not, so. What do you, what do they do? Punching, Punching a, ticket. a ticket. Yeah, is it like you? Did you, people weren't even doing that in the year 2000. What am I on about? He's clock, are you trying to say like he's clocking yeah. in and then clocking out? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, but for? once again, Tom, I've not bothered to remember all of an expression. And I'm jumbling them all <laughs> together. <laughs> he's, punching a, um, he's punching a clock. I want to I give an homage. You've reminded me here. I want to give an homage to a friend of, of Alex and ours, uh, a, a gent by the name of Eugene, who we sadly lost uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but we honoured him. Uh, near in a cafe near where we live because he was like yourself a, a bit crap with phrases and sayings and he would either forget the beginning or the middle or the end or he would mix them up and we have honored one of his most famous blunders at this cafe that we all used to go to where we have a plaque on one of the benches that says, and we had, and I went and got it engraved and everything. It's a plaque. The cafe agreed to put it there. It's there forever. And it's a plaque that says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't change its stripes. <laughs> Oof. And I'm very proud that people will go to that cafe and they will see that, be slightly confused, wonder who Eugene is, and then go about their day. And I'm very proud that that exists there for as long as that cafe is there. <laughs> it's so good. I'm glad there's not just myself who remember a bit of it and then I'm like, wait, I've never actually used this in real life. I've seen it in things. I've never punched a ticket or a clock. Dilo Brown wouldn't punch a ticket. He'd give that clock a lowdown. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you and I on commentary have used the, the cliched line, punching the ticket. I'm sure we have, you know. The, We've never punched That literally ticket. happened at a show. The ticket was interfering and the dude went, not on my watch, and he <laughs> sparked him out. Just punch a ticket, <laughs> right in the face. Take that ticket. <laughs> anyway, these horrible expressions shouldn't take away from the fact that in New York City, both of the Stooges are shopping for souvenirs, and they miss... Crash Holly walking behind them. Even when the referee tells them, hey, look, it's Crash, part person says, shut up, and uh, they don't see him. But Joe Briscoe really wants one of those famous New York City hot dogs. God, I hope we get more of this. Ah, <laughs> oh, me too, mate. I hope, this is, I hope this builds to an amazing crescendo featuring somebody unreal turning up on SmackDown. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of unreal, Kane is here. As Michael Cole talks about how Undertaker will be doing signings at 9am tomorrow at so-and-so place. And Lola says... He's not, he's just been arrested. Right? And Lola says, yeah, he'll still have the fingerprint ink on his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny when they do stuff like that, where, the, where the, the realism starts to melt away from the wall. In the sense that we've just seen Undertaker get arrested, but don't worry, they're letting him out for a sign-in tomorrow. <laughs> It's okay. He He's paid for the for bail. Auto. He paid for the it's bail right. with a fun check of his, his own face on it. <laughs> he paid with a fun check of his own face. Here you go, boy. That's valid. <laughs> Up to kiss my ass dollars. Yeah. He, he paid for the bail, but he'll only need the edge of it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You give me 200 kiss my ass dollars? He goes, yeah. That'll be worth five English pounds when I powerbomb the queen. 
<laughs> well, bail was three fifty, so yeah, off you go. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Do you want change? <laughs> no. Okay, that's kind. <laughs> John, undertake no. a power bombing the Queen, please. <laughs> We hung, drawn, and quartered for that, Tom. So make it good, Tank John. Tank the queen in it. <laughs> With no context. Come on, Tom. Me and you both know... <laughs> me and you both know that No, that there's no way the queen is losing to any undertaker anytime soon. That's very true, mate. Anyway, Kane. Yes, that's right, that wrestler. Uh, his opponent is Chris Benoit. Ooh. The one-man Kane can out-emote while wearing a mask. Uh, <laughs> these two always had great chemistry with Benoit able to sell Kane's bigness whilst also getting his own craziness and ability over uh, Lawler however is more interested in discussing Kane's and I quote brisket face from Monday Night Raw it was a good week for Lawler on commentary <laughs> Benoit rolls away from a big boot but runs right into a choke slam, which then gets reversed into a crossface attempt then after taking a short-ass clothesline, because it's Benoit, uh, Benoit grabs the title and dunks it into Kane's head as he flies off the top for the disqualification victory. Uh, commentators emphasising that Benoit's simply working for the faction and they want him to damage Kane. So he doesn't care about losing that much. And so the victory doesn't mean much. It's all about Benoit beating up Kane for that King of the Ring match. I think this was very well done. Like I said, Kane Benoit always had good matches. But what do you think, Tom? Same. I love Benoit here. Benoit in the mix. Benoit is having good matches against everybody at the moment. And the, the recurring theme is, like, Benoit is single-handedly bringing the submission finish back. You know, he doesn't win by submission here. The the idea that he can get the cross face on from anywhere is a really cool little caveat to his character. We saw it with D'Lo Brown the other week, and we've seen it with Kane here, where he goes up for a choke slam and turns it into a cross face. So I'm enjoying Benoit's work here. I don't mind getting I don't mind Benoit getting DQ'd either. I think it's still it keeps him strong. It shows a mean streak in Chris Benoit as well that I think is, is vital for, for his future his future work. So I enjoyed it. Great match. Good times. Edge and Christian are still brothers. So backstage, they talk about how mum just rang Edge to tell him how proud she was of him advancing. <laughs> Christian says, that's funny. She didn't ring me when I won my match on Raw. And Edge goes, yeah, she told me. And there's a pause. <laughs> but that is still not the highlight of this segment. Edge and Christian say if they win tonight, they'll be in good graces of the regime. Christian says, wait, I thought they were the faction. And they decide to compromise and they're working for the faction. In fact, Christian says, they're so working for the faction. I love that. And I still remember that bit to this day. And that'll be the bit at the end of the episode, spoilers. That the, the making up of words. And actually, I think that fits in quite nicely what you just said about Eugene. I can really relate to Edgy Christian just going, others make up a word by combining two other words. <laughs> I liked it. It was it was a it's a it's a bit that I always remember the whole discussion on whether they're the faction or the regime and calling them the faction, like Edge and Christian just carving their own niche in this storyline right now. Absolutely, but never mind that, Tom. Never mind. Who cares? Edge and Christian. Who? The XFL is performing in Chicago. We had a nice dramatic video package, like the opening almost, about the doom door noise. Vince says, where's my football? 
and insults the NFL while saying XFL is the most exciting football since the Roman Gladiator games. <laughs> what a line. Which, which Vince remembers first time round, presumably. <laughs> and yeah, it really was. By eliminating the free catch rule and having the thing at the start, we have to go race the ball. There was more CTE in that one season of XFL than an episode of SmackDown. I mean, bloody hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. The XFL documentary, and we'll probably talk about it a bit long where they do more plugs here on SmackDown, it was fascinating for the simple thing, the six in my head, long afterwards, where Vincent Mann was saying, we're sick and tired of this boring football, this NFL malarkey. Where's my real football with real men? Vince wasn't watching NFL, and Vince hadn't seen NFL in about 30 years. So you're saying all this stuff and talking crap about them. He didn't know what NFL was. Of course not. He's a businessman. He don't care. All he knew is XFL was better than whatever NFL was. And I love that. Doesn't surprise me, actually. This is a big thing. This is a, this is a reason they're doing a special video package here is like they are treating like getting Chicago on board as a big deal. So this is NFL and Chicago have a, a very close relationship. So the Chicago Enforcers <clears throat> is the uh, the name of the XFL team based at Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, it was um, as a result of poor dependence and the pending renovation of Soldier Field. To, even though the XFL was on the way out, the Chicago Enforcers probably would have shut down the following season anyway a lack of money a lack of interest and uh, and a lack of location to play football uh, pretty much finished their time off in the league so there's probably people breathing a sigh of relief that the xfl the plug was pulled on the xfl before the following season because the chicago enforcers probably wouldn't have been able to afford it chicago enforcers oh the undertaker yeah. was just hanging out with them <laughs> yay <laughs> Spitting on people. I'm gonna get. All right, I'm gonna come with you. Can you drop me off at my signing tomorrow? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, What's funny? <laughs> signing. Serious. Edgy Christian taking on the Dudleys. Uh, the first Christian says, "Wow, this must be the windy city, all right, because it blows." Crowd's <laughs> like, God. And even though you thought everybody. Who's come to Chicago said that there are still people furiously giving them the finger like they've just hooked up with the Hardy Boys, and it's a good little speech against the city, but it's not quite name dropping OJ Simpson from last week's event. Good God! However, even after all that, so many people get their cameras out for the flash photography bit that it really makes it worthwhile. You may have just insulted the hell out of them and our breed, but we're gonna st still gonna take photos of this. I mean, it's the five second pose. <laughs> Gonna miss out. On... <laughs> Gonna miss out on this. He choked. I tried to talk and laugh at the same time, and then he died. All for a SmackDown review from 20 years ago. Uh, the usual hotness from these two teams. I think it's the first time they've wrestled SmackDown since Edge and Christian are officially good. Uh, tables are the most over bit of the match, with them repeatedly being chanted at by the fans. And Lola says, "If you want tables, go to a furniture store." Uh, the match is irrelevant because they brawl to the stage for the double count out. Edge takes a suplex on the steel. Bubba spots a table off the ramp and gets hard. But before he can powerbomb Christian off the stage, DX show up with a dumpster. And they dump the duds in the dumpster. They try to fight out, but Edge and Christian stay on top of the dumpster while they lock it shut. And then, in a 
in an image very similar to what we saw a few years ago, launch it off the stage. And it looked brutal. I would hate to be in that position. But there was a tiny bit of hilarity when Cole was emphasizing the fact that the dumpster not only went off the stage, but went through the table as well, as if that did more <laughs> damage. And it is worth pointing out, when they did this in 1998 with the um, team of Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack, they spent like 30 minutes recovering from it and emphasizing what a disaster it was, having half the roster come out to yell at DX for crossing the line. In the year of our Lord 2000, we get a replay of it, and then Stephanie comes out for the next bit. So what did you think of this matching segment, Tom? Uh, good match. Good TV tag match. Uh, Road Dog giving Bubba a horrible chair shot. Uh, again, brought back those memories of CTE or, or lack thereof. Uh, the dumpster being a throwback to 1998, which was nice. New Age Outlaws and <clears throat> Cactus and Chainsaw doing this initially. And again, I wrote what you re- what you said just there. The idea that the idea that the dumpster went through the table, like as if it added more ag- added more violence and added more harm to the Dudleys, who are basically saved from any damage from the table, encased in a dumpster. <laughs> If anything, the table was damage-free. And I like the fact that they had, had they, they suggest that going through the table made it worse. <laughs> because logic! That's how it works. That's how it works. It's like if you put right, if you put an if you put a banana in a inside a inside a Tupperware, right? And then throw that Tupperware through a table. <laughs> The banana's going to be fine. The Tupperware might be a bit knackered, but the banana's going to be fine. Logic. Yeah. I think in a video game it would matter, but in real life, that pesky, pesky world of real life, it's like, huh? (laughs) No, that poor table. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, where are we? Sephiroth Man, Helmsley, comes out to commentate for the next match, which happens to be Chris Jericho's match. Chris starts the show by insulting Stephanie repeatedly and getting stuff censored. A whole bunch of things that would demonetize this podcast, as if anyone would pay for it anyway. Which brings out Bull Buchanan. Wow, good, not seen enough of him this episode. And Cole says, <laughs> as Bull Buchanan makes his entrance, quote, this isn't going to be entertaining. Wow, you said it, man. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. Yeah. Crowd gets distracted by something happening in the crowd. And judging by the booze, there's someone getting thrown out. Uh, possibly for saying something against Bull Buchanan. I don't know. <laughs> Quite the total regime they had in 2000. Uh, Jericho takes apart Bull the entire match. But makes a mistake of going outside to spit water in Steph's face. Uh, Chris then tries the lion's salt. But Stephanie throws an entire bucket of water when he's on the ropes. Bull nails the scissor kick in his only offensive move of the match to win. And more importantly, this brings out Triple H to attack Chris. And give him a pedigree. And he kind of deserves it for throwing it against his wife. Uh, what do you think of Bobby Khan's star performance here, Tom? I don't know what's happened between this week and last week that Bull Buchanan is suddenly top tier. Did we miss a meeting? I wouldn't say we missed it. <laughs> Maybe gone, but I don't miss him. And where's Boss Man as well? I miss Boss yeah, Man. Where is Boss Man? He's just—it's just very strange how Buchanan's getting this super push. Uh, the the Jericho hate Jericho Stephanie hatred is burgeoning at this point. Um, 
And it will continue until 2002, where Jericho will be completely emasculated by Stephanie McMahon to tie this up nicely. And um, <clears throat> the only thing I've got is what you've said there. Triple H didn't have love beating up Chris Jericho every chance he got. It's like it's almost like he didn't think he worked hard enough. <laughs> See, at least now it's tied into uh, the continuity of, well, he is insulting his wife. And I think yeah, I'll, I'll be complaining more. I'll be complaining more if Triple H wasn't beating him up. You threw water on me wife. And I'm right here. Like, who the bloody hell do you think you are? You done it now. <laughs> the Stooges continue to not find Crash, so Holly goes to WWF New York. And all I've written here is thrilling. <laughs> You're not enjoying these segments, are you? I, I wasn't until it did go to where it went. Which I was not expecting. Oh, I don't think any of us were expecting this. So, but never mind that. We get a dramatic recap of the Venus Rikishi War, and I'm very glad to get it all recapped because I was not expecting it last week. And um, for those of you who won't already listen to this, because Trish is now Val Venus's manager, and Rikishi gave Trish a stink face on Raw last week. Venus decided to go acker, as they call it, on Rikishi. They brawled, they slammed stuff against each other, the ring bell was used, and then Venus ended up getting splashed through a table, like a dumpster, and Rikishi coming off the, the, the ape, not the apron, think Matthew, think, the stage, there we go, and it was absolute crazy, and I had forgotten all about this little crazy feud they were having, so let's have some more of it. Uh, Sirius Val is here, and he recaps Rikishi's, quote, cottage cheese ass squashing him and really Venus should have come out with tape ribs here I'm just saying uh, and sadly despite yeah, all the violence should have been a little bit more sold of the injury yeah uh, sadly Venus's cliche ridden promos just aren't fitting this character on the violence we're getting and him going I will literally beat you into an inch of your life <laughs> sounds even cheesier than how he just described Rikishi's ass but Never mind he starts that. the promo by going, you know something? And I expected him to go, ladies, but he didn't. So <laughs> it's like it's the Valvina's shtick, but they've just gone, if if porn star reference, then replace with violent reference. <laughs> That's basically what they've done with the script of Valvina's. Yeah, and the crowds start popping for some reason. It's, it's almost like they prefer sex to violence. <laughs> Freaks. <laughs> Speaking of sex, Fatu shows up. And they are fighting straight away. Speaking of sex, Fatu shows up. Got a lot of push in the cushion. <laughs> okay. Well, like, hey, there's someone for everyone. And if you, if that's your boat, Matthew, then you jump on it and float away. I literally could with a Rikishi. Uh, Rikishi, who is, of course, a twink. Uh, shows up and they're fighting. <laughs> no official match, but Rikishi backdrops Val into the announce table, then slams him through it as the referees do nothing. They are bloody useless here, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad, to be honest with you. Venus then manages to come back from being put through the announce table to smash a monitor over Fatu's head several times, forgetting that, of course, Samoans uh, have hard heads and don't feel pain. There's no racism in wrestling. And then he comes back again because Rikishi kept on getting up, and destroys a chair over his head. It's a completely brutal uh, prior to 2007 chair shot from Rikishi, and that managed to put him down. 
And I do not remember any of this being so brutal. Uh, and the referees are there looking at poor Rikishi, bleeding. They zoom in on the blood that's still left on the remains of the announce table. Good God, I hope he's all right. Such a tragedy and the horrific violence we see. Uh, anyway, Crash Holly meets Shaft. <laughs> but before then, sorry, before be we get to there, that, Tom. I want to do that segue joke. I... Yeah, what did you think of uh, this segment? Uh, Val um, and Rikishi were building one of the hotter mid-card feuds of 2000 here. Like, regardless of how, like fit they are for purpose like valvina still figuring out a life post porn star um i like the aggression in this and and it's that thing you said it earlier and it's true like in in the in this year of our lord 2000 no one's left behind everyone's got stuff going on and rikishi and valvina's is an example of that like two guys there's no title involved for now but what we're getting is two guys with a vendetta against one another and it's brutal and I really enjoyed it this week. Let's get to let's get to uh, let's get to Shaft. Let's get to Shaft. Shaft, Shaft, Shaft. Anyway, Crash Holly meets Shaft. <laughs> we should just leave it like that, shouldn't we? Just leave it ambiguous. No, tell us. Oh, okay. Because you've got to talk about it. Okay. Samuel L. Jackson, in character, shows up, and also the uh, to show that it's the show the filmic qualities of this. This bit is in widescreen with music playing. Cinematic wrestling before it was a thing. Uh, Crash Holly needs protection. So Shaft recommends the APA. Crash Holly explains they don't like him. So he agrees to defend him, but only because his pretty lady likes Crash Holly. Uh, just as long as Crash Holly is in cinemas this Friday for the remake <laughs> of Shaft, directed by John Singleton, with music by R. Kelly. That Shaft will look after Crash. Now, here is the common misconception. It's not a remake of Shaft. What do you it's mean? It's a sequel. Is it? Because John Shaft is the nephew. Oh. So that is a common misconception. I've got a few notes on the Shaft movie that I wanted to share with the room today. Um, before we Go ahead, because I only saw it segment. when I was little and I remember it being not very good. Uh, yeah, so the, yeah, unfortunately, Samuel L. Jackson echoes your your opinion on that. He's not a fan of the film. Uh, it didn't do very well in the box office either. Uh, but John Singleton, the director, originally wanted Do John, originally wanted Don Cheadle to play Shaft. Uh, mm. However, it was insisted that a major box office name play the role. It was either going to be Samuel L. Jackson or Wesley Snipes, but they went with Samuel L. Jackson for the role. Uh, however, this led to headaches during production as according to an interview with Samuel L. Jackson, <clears throat> Jackson and Singleton often butted heads on the direction of the film. One particular argument led to the director, John Singleton, refusing to come out of his trailer for quite some time, presumably in there playing No Mercy for the N64. <laughs> uh, Singleton's original idea was for the main character to be the son of John Shaft, and that the two Shafts would work together. No studio wanted to finance that project, so Paramount Pictures producer Scott Rudin demanded that the main character be changed to Shaft's nephew, and for Richard Roundtree's role as Shaft to be reduced, and that is what we saw. Uh, a fun little cameo from this that ties in the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, episode 100 on Saturday. 
Um, in the Shaft movie, there's a character called Lamont, who is played by Lawrence Taylor, as in the football player Lawrence Taylor, who, on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, is about to headline WrestleMania 11. <laughs> oh, what a path. What a, what a, what a path we weave. What a, what a fabric we weave. <laughs> What a uh-huh, tangled web Eugene. we weave. Go on, uh, more Eugene. Eugene again. Oh, well, that's the phrase I was reading for. What a tangled web we weave. So yeah, I'm so rubbing off on you, Tom. Shaft. You, you certainly are, you twig. Um, <laughs> what it really rubbed off on. It really rubbed off on me. Um, yeah, so Shaft was crap and didn't do very well. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't like it. Regardless of all of that, <clears throat> I put in my notes here, and I don't know whether you agree, Math, because I'm watching SmackDown. And there's Crash Holly, and he's in WWF New York. And on the sofa opposite him is Samuel L. Jackson. Pulp Fiction's Samuel L. Jackson. Heavyweight actor Samuel L. Jackson. And all I can think of is, this feels so beneath him. (laughs) Sam Jackson, yeah. It really does. It feels beneath him. To be, to be, I don't know whether it's it feels beneath him to be with Crash Holly or whether it feels beneath him to be on SmackDown, but it feels beneath him, you know? I mean, you'd think so because of how much people like myself and by the sounds of it, you love Sam Jackson as an actor. However, people, I don't think, uh, often remember that he had that reputation for being in everything for years because he wouldn't mm. turn down anything. He was in so many films in the 90s and uh, the early 2000s because he was saying yes to all of them, and so many of them were crap. Like, we remember <laughs> Pulp Fiction and all the other good stuff he did, but, God, there was so much rubbish he was in. So, in some ways, I'm not surprised that he's doing this because it's like, oh, do I have to do it? Yeah, here's some money. All right. Like, he would have been doing adverts if no films were coming to him, you know? So, I'm all right with that because... Quite frankly, uh, like him as an actor, and he can do whatever he wants with his money. But yes, doing a bit with Crash Holly for protection to get a force thing is just bizarre and stupid. So, no wonder it works in wrestling so well. Very true. Yes. But you know what else? You know, because we don't, we don't like cameos, do we? Especially if we're doing like wrestling in different series or anything like that. It's disgusting, actually, quite <laughs> frankly. It's just a, an, immoral, an, an immoral way of segueing between th- two things. So The Rock is here with Tom Campbell's new friend, Kevin Kelly. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Big Kev. That's right. Kevin Boy Kelly, Kev. when he's not enjoying Shaft, he can be found <laughs> Desert Island Graps on the Coldholics YouTube, found on all, your, uh, all the places where podcasts are sold. And The Rock's mystery opponent could be anyone. It could even be star Desert Island Graps himself, Kevin Kelly. <gasps> Kevin oh, Kelly actually shocked and pulled it. No, 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 no. And Kevin Kelly tries defending himself. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. And, but Rock, no, 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 you, you could be you. Are you the Rock's opponent? No, the Rock. it doesn't matter if Kevin Kelly is the Rock's opponent or what his three favourite matches are of all time or what it's like commentating for New Japan. Those are Tom Campbell questions. This is SmackDown. And the Rock says, call Sherlock, call Magnum P.I., call Scooby-Doo and get, get all his Scooby snacks and then eat them the correct way. Oh, sorry, I mean shove them up your butt. And if you smell a la 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 back at WF New York, the Stooges meet Shaft. They ask if they've met a <laughs> They ask if they've met a little Elroy Jetson type carrying a belt. 
Shaft says, maybe. And he goes, yeah, well, that was his belt. That was their belt, in fact. Shaft pushes down the table and goes, you'd let a little man like that take your belt. Patterson says, you must be Shaft. Sam Jackson blasts him and says, you're damn right. Shaft, this Friday, take your kids, take your dads. Hell, take your wife and WF CEOs. <laughs> oh, boy, Linda. <laughs> Do you like remakes of exploitation films of the 70s? Gary Arnold of the Washington Post called it a diverting commercial thriller. Inconsequential but slick and casually enjoyable. What do you mean, no? What happened there? Did you not hear what happened with Kane and Linda on that particular episode of That's Gotta Be Game? So, on the way back from from WWF show, um, Kane and Linda were were getting driven back and Linda points to the cinema and says, oh, Kane, I'd really love to go and see that film. And uh, I'd really love to go and see that. And it says Shaft in big letters of the cinema. But next to it is a theatre that is showing Staring at Paint Dry, the musical. And Kane, who wasn't paying enough attention, just saw Linda Point and went, oh, OK, I'll get some tickets. And lo and behold, on the night, they turn up and Kane goes, there you go. Watching paint dry the musical just like you wanted. <laughs> no, that wasn't what I was pointing at. Oh no, spaghettios. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> I love that we couldn't think of anything comparable to it. <laughs> couldn't think of anything comparable to Shaft. What else is coming out the top? Oh, bugger it. There's an installation called Staring a Paint. <laughs> <laughs> Staring a Paint Drying. <laughs> I thought that's what you wanted, Linda. Oh, no. I made a terrible error. I should have just asked for confirmation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In hindsight, it was an easy mistake to make. <laughs> yeah. But why didn't you? <clears throat> because that's gotta be Kane. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what? Why do you keep on saying that over and over again? I don't, I don't understand. Uh... <laughs> That's gonna be cake. Cold. Stop doing that. Coldplay, what are you doing here? That's mental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's Barry White. No, I'm, I'm Black Legend. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Black Legend, Barry White. No, Kane, that's... No. <laughs> no, Kane. Right. How come they can see it, but I can <laughs> That's gonna be Kane has been cancelled after two glorious seasons. <laughs> No! Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Uh. The Rock anyway. is here for the main event. Seems like... Seems like Yay! Seems a bit of a downer, really. Like, oh, yeah, The Rock's here for a wrestling match. Who is the surprise opponent? It's none other than Kurt Angle... Gladiator, still in cinemas in the UK to take on the mighty Mummy Returns, not out until May 2001. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Kurt Angle tries to tell the story about the Olympic Games, but The Rock answers him with the hand motion, motioning him to, in fact, bring it. Kurt says, I've been bringing it since 1982. I can bring it all I like. Then attempts to run at the ring and remove his medals at the same time, and therefore kind of dunking himself on the bottom rope. But it's lucky it's Kurt Angle and he's able to overcome it. And no one cares about the action anyway because we get the wacky oval vision showing Triple H and Stephanie watching the match. Stephanie really wants to help Kurt 
And Triple H, is like, yeah, Triple H is like, I'm not helping him. He's a nerd. Stephanie eventually rides him and goes, oh, yeah? Well, he helped me retain my title last time. Or did you not remember that? Where were you? Triple H is like, well, I couldn't come out there. It wasn't allowed for that match. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> so eventually, after some nagging, she gets what she wants. Kane knows all about that. That's right. Anyway, they show up at ringside to strike wrong. Blah. Distract the Rock long enough for Angle to land a belly-to-belly, and the Rock sells for Angle. It was at the exact moment in time he realised he was getting the title later on this year. Uh, a big backdrop gets the Angle dance and the woo, but only a two. Meanwhile, Jerry Lawler is for some reason calling Linda McMahon a castrating shrew. <laughs> Don't quite know where that comes from, but he says it again. I think he's just attempting to get cold to break. Triple H distracts the referee, so Stephanie twats the Rock with the women's title. Rock doesn't sell that, so clearly Stephanie McMahon is not winning the WF title later on this year. However, Kurt Angle is able to bonk him into the ring post. Uh, you know, the one that goes ding when he does it. But the Rock in the ring lands the Rock bottom out of nowhere to even the odds. Kurt Angle accidentally bonks Triple H off the apron. Uh-oh, that is going to suck for him next week. But until then, the Rock nails the people's elbow and Angle to blow the roof off the place. But Triple H and guess. You'll never guess. Yeah, that's right. Bull Buchanan again show up <laughs> to beat up The Rock. I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand it. I'm the baffled by this. The... It, this feels like, you know, on No Mercy, where Big Show has been replaced by Stephen Richards. Has Bull Buchanan just become a placeholder for another character? Is that what's the what's Big Show. Here? Yes, he's been replaced yeah. yet again. <laughs> Big Show gets replaced by everybody. It's the Kevin Spacey of 2000. Uh, the <laughs> fire in the flames reveals Kane, who makes the save. Yay. But Benoit shows up immediately to get kicked a bit first. And then Kane attacks everybody. But then DX make the numbers and pedigree both men. The crowd chants for Undertaker. But clearly, they've just been not been paying close enough attention. They, they've all been out pre-ordering the new lugs. And uh, they don't understand that the Undertaker is, in fact, in jail for being a wrong un. And the show goes off the air with both Ben Down and DX Triumphant. And that's it. Wah, 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 wah. What do you think of this fantastically happy ending? Uh, in, a, in a contrast to Raw, where the good guys won, I guess the bad guys had to win at the end of SmackDown this week. Um this will be a Kurt Angle and The Rock, though, will be a phenomenal match in years to come. They'll headline No Mercy with this in October, and we'll have a lovely time when we get there. Um, I appreciate Steph and Triple H watching TV like normal people, as opposed to from the side. They literally sat down looking straight at a monitor screen. And I've just put here, I don't understand why Bull is in the mix so much. Does Vince fancy him? <laughs> <laughs> Which might be a logical reason at this point in time. Look, I guess they needed another hanger-on to join the uh, ongoing fact team. They've got Edge and Christian. That's working well for them. Uh, Kurt Angle is kind of helping Steph. Uh, so Triple H needs a dude. Hmm. Let's see now. Who deserves the push? Jericho. I can do it. <laughs> pick me. Pick me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Me, 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 me. <laughs> it's like Diddy Kong Racing. They're all just stood there little, doing a little merry jig. <laughs> I'm Jericho. Jericho. Hey, <laughs> 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 Valvinus. 
I, I'm going to get a haircut soon. Pick me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Henry Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that little character there. <laughs> oh, no. I, I accidentally ended myself into a driving contest with a bunch of furries. But I can only drive stick. Urk. <laughs> hey, I think maybe, maybe the fact you were hoping that if they grind enough, they could unlock TT and they'll have him instead. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they don't pick test because picking test uh, breaks the game. And that leaves only Bull, uh, who I don't know, imagine it's like he may have the slowest acceleration in the game, but his attributes include knowing the Undertaker makes him the most powerful for Triple H. <laughs> uh. That explains it all, mate. So what did you remember from this week's SmackDown? The fact Sheem. <laughs> Just edgy Christian doing that silly stuff. And that would be an ongoing bit where they'd make up words, combine them to make newer, more improved words. And uh, yeah, that, I, I remember that bit of the character standing out and they would keep this for months. And that is the bit I remember and you can't take that away from me. <laughs> Well, I will go with the dumpster going through a table because even at the age of 16, I was aware that the idea of that being worse than just going off the stage was farcical. Like, it doesn't hurt them anymore. Why are you acting like it did? Uh, so, yeah, uh, the uh, the combined Fakjim powers pushing the Dudleys off, a, off the stage in a dumpster through a table because why not? Uh, what did you forget from this one? It's got to be the same as last week. The Val Venus Rikishi War Part 2. War Harder. <laughs> Are you enjoying it, at least? I am. It's 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 like nothing else on the show. No one else has just beaten the poo out of the person they're feuding with. And that's exactly what these two are doing. I'm not sure in the long run if it's going to help V... Well, not to help in the long run, but... Um, in the year of Allah 2000, if it's going to help uh, Valvinus that much with the crowd pops, because I think just the idea of being a knob-loving porn star is a hard image to shake. Uh, and now you're like, uh, and now you're a hardcore porn star. Um, I'll have to say that next week because it's good. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to take a while for it to hit. But until then, it's just the crazy level of brutality is like, okay, I'll take it. And what was something um, for... that you forgot? I... I forgot Shaft. I forgot Samuel L. Jackson was on SmackDown. And again, it just feels like something... I know what you're saying, like, at the time, and I never thought of it like this, at the time, where he's taking every acting job he gets, it's probably overkill. But I think now when I see Samuel L. Jackson, I see, like, Nick Fury from The Avengers, like, that heavyweight type of actor, and I just think, oh, mate, like, I love that you threw everything into this, but this is beneath you. This is beneath you. <laughs> You know, I, I think, I mean, you are right, but at the same time, I think it shows just how crazy popular WWF was at this point. Do you think if they're asking yeah. Sam Jackson in 95 to do this, he'd be like, uh, never, never oh, message me Pamela again, Anderson. please. They got Pamela Anderson in 1995, to be fair. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> by 95, I mean, she was... I know I'm trying to defend Pamela Anderson being on the show. Yeah, they, they always mention the same sentence together, aren't they? Pamela Anderson and Samuel Jackson. Um, yeah, you know what? They should have done that. Sam Jackson, the winner of the Royal Rumble, goes out on a date with you. 
one of these people is going to get the shaft tonight if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> oh. And it is on that bombshell that we thank you for listening this week. We're back next week with another one. Until that time, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, episode 100 this Saturday. Love you, bye! Yeah. <laughs>